the peaceful heart, which is the last part of my Grinch series. Speaking of Grinch, you know, I someone actually told me out here that they've already taken all of their Christmas decorations down. Now, I'm not going to say who the Grinch is among us, but there, there was one. But uh, but but you know, we're, we're talking a little bit about that today, kind of using that as a backdrop. I've, I've asked Jordan to stay up here, so don't get too stressed about him sitting up here because he's going to do a song uh, for just a few minutes for me. I do have to tell you a little funny story there and get, getting ready for this is is that uh, that that I told Jordan this song. I said, "Hey, I'd really like to do this particular Christmas song in the service. Could you do it?" And 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 of course, Jordan's Mr. Optimistic. He goes, "Yeah, sure, sure, I can." And so I told him which one, and I sent it to him by text. And and I was just going off the top of my brain. And and if you don't know how my brain works, my brain works like this. It's it's like little pieces and fragments of stuff just kind of just just they, they kind of float around out there. And and it all doesn't really come out necessarily the way that I think it is. And so so I, I told him a completely wrong song. I mean, the truth is, it was a Christmas carol, and it had several words in the title, and, and it both started with the letter I. But see, that's all that was important to me. And so I told him a completely wrong song. So he spent, I don't know how many hours looking and searching and trying to get this song, and then, then he finally said, I don't see how this song fits into your sermon, Pastor Tim. And, we, and, and, and I was like, well, look in the notes. I mean, you just look at it. It's all in there. And he pulled it up and he said, are you sure this is the song we're supposed to be doing? And and so I said, yeah. And then I told him this name of the song. And he said, well, you told me to do this other song. And so poor guy. I mean, like like last night at probably midnight, he started working on getting this together. I don't know. But, he, but he's really nice. And he actually has it for us here in just a few minutes. So... But but the Grinch, the Grinch, he had this heart that was two sizes too small. He had what I would call a shrunken heart syndrome. And, and you know how the story goes. At the end, his heart grew by three sizes. And and, and I really like the way in The Grinch, the, the, the kind of like the live action movie of The Grinch, how his lack of peace is well illustrated in that movie because he's always pacing. He can't rest. He has these thoughts that obsess him, and he's stressed out. He can't rest, and there's no peace. But, but in the end, the Grinch is a totally different guy. He's still a bit intense, but, but he now has a different spirit about himself. And as I've shared with you, we used to tell our children when they were growing up, like, well, here's what happened to the Grinch. At this point, when his heart begins to grow, that's when he got saved. He accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. Now, you don't hear him praying the prayer in the, in the, the, the movie, but that's when it all happened. And we choose to do that because we like to rewrite the story to make it a little more accurate. But, but the once evil, mean, hateful, stressed out Grinch becomes a man of authority authentic peace. And it's quite a transformation. It's a fun holiday story. But Jesus truly is the one who came to bring us peace. And that's what I'm talking about today. Now, now today, I'm going to ask you to really think with me. I'm going to ask you to think deeply. And I, I preach different from time to time. Sometimes it's more inspirational. Sometimes it's motivational. Uh, today, my message is thought-oriented. I want you to think deeply about what I'm saying, and it's going to, to really, in order for you to take this away, you're going to have to think about this a little bit, because I'm going to be very real with you, and I'm going to be honest with you at the same time, because this topic of 
peace that I'm talking about today that we sing about and we talk about and we discuss and, and that's in, in society is pursued from a variety of angles. It has a lot of complexity to it. I'm going to do my best to simplify it because the Bible actually gives us clarity, but a lot of times we tend to gloss over it in society because of the messages that are out there. There's a lot that people miss because they don't look at the simple way that the scriptures illustrated. I'm going to ask us to do that today. Isaiah, prophet of God, he prophesied this some hundreds of years before Jesus Christ was on the scene. And he said this, he said, to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Now, again, this is a prophecy of Jesus, but leave that up there for a minute because I want you to look at the terminology because it describes this child that is about to be born, and he's the ultimate therapist, wonderful counselor. He is this powerful, mighty God. He's this perfect father, and he's this royal leader of this thing called a kingdom of peace. So he governs, and the extent of his leadership, it, 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 it reaches out with peace wherever he goes. And in fact, it's described as being infinite. There's no end to it at all. That means that Jesus keeps going and going and growing and growing, and that's a good thing. So we call Jesus the prince of peace. For most people, that's nothing unusual. You know that. But this terminology gives us two important terms here, that he's a ruler and that he's a ruler of a kingdom called peace. Now, now when the angels visited the shepherds out on the hill the, the night of Jesus' birth, they mentioned this to them. And Luke describes it this way. He said, suddenly there was a great company of the heavenly host, and they appeared with the angel, and they were praising God and saying these words. They said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill to men. Did anyone catch anything wrong there? That's not what they said. That's not in the Bible. It's in a lot of Christmas carols, but it's not there. So let's rewind. Let's go back a little bit here. Let's take a look at it again. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, did you notice there's something in there that most people leave out? I'd like for you to take note of these words, to those on whom his favor rests. Now, now hear me well. If you are born again, you've given your life to Christ, your sins have been forgiven, therefore, the favor of God is on you. In other words, God's favor rests on you. Therefore, peace is here, and it's yours for the taking. And it's a peace that abides in your life. In fact, you can have this unlimited measure of peace. Here's how it works. God established his kingdom in us. That means his kingdom of peace is within us, and it's not in the governments of the world. 
Now, before Jesus left the world, he explained this to his disciples, and he, he, he was telling them this because they were going to be the ones to take, his, to take this message really into all the world. But the, he was saying that he was going to give them peace, but it's not the kind of peace that you're going to find in peace treaties, that you're going to find in governments, or from popular music. Here's what Jesus said. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace, understand, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you, and peace is, is, is what we understand he's talking about there. I'm not giving you peace as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. So, so here, look at this. Think with me. Jesus, what he's saying here is, is that we have the power to apply or not apply peace in our lives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. We can actually choose whether we're going to be troubled or afraid. So Jesus is saying, I'm giving you this peace. It's unique. It's special. It's the kind that you've seen me operating in. And you now have a choice whether you're going to use it or not. But, but don't look for the conventional peace in the world. Now, I understand this whole message might be a complete reframing of everything you've ever thought about, about how it works, because you've sung the Christmas carols. And it's like, that's not how the Christmas carols are. Well, this is what the scriptures say. And I know this message can be tough because we do sometimes even have troubled hearts and we have fear sometimes. And the truth is, at the same time, I want to have peace on earth. And this season, I consider the craziness of North Koreans, you know, I mean, they are literally crazy, cyber terrorism. And and then there's the whole issue of ISIS in the Middle East, how they're murdering innocent men and women, children and babies, simply because the families profess Jesus. I mean, their violence makes Herod and his massacre of the little children in Bethlehem look like nothing. In fact, violence has increased since the time of Christ. You look at the violence in the streets of Ferguson, Missouri, and Brooklyn, New York, and you might say, where's the peace? So if Jesus is really the Prince of Peace, and there's no end to his kingdom of peace, then why aren't we seeing it? And say the truth is, now that's where we're finding that conflict in our hearts, and I hope you're feeling that conflict, because that will make you think, help you to, to think differently about this and see how it really, really does work. You see, these Christmas songs that say peace on earth, they're not quoting the scriptures correctly. Now, I'm not bad-mouthing them because I sing those songs and I like them. But what, they're, what happened here is there were well-intentioned people who most likely never read what the Bible said, and they wrote songs about peace on earth because of Christmas, and these lyrics are simply their own creation, and that sounds good, and we want peace on earth, right? I do. I mean, I, I also love the fact that many people in the world use this time of year as a call for peace on earth. I think that's good. I'm not against peace on earth at all, but that's simply not what the scriptures say. Right now, you see, this whole thing of peace, it's not about peace in an earthly kingdom. It's about peace in the lives of believers, how we actually live in peace during a time when there's 
wars and rumors of wars, just like Jesus prophesied. It's during a time when ethnic groups are rising up against other ethnic groups, just as Jesus prophesied in the book of Matthew. And it makes us, therefore, begin to anticipate the second arrival of Jesus. We call it the second coming of Jesus. And when he actually does come to this earth and he establishes a literal, physical kingdom of peace on this earth. But right now, prior to Jesus' second coming, peace does flourish, but it flourishes right here in us. And it doesn't flourish in the world in which we live yet, although it can because of us, which I'm going to share with you about how that works today. Like I said, in preparation for this message, I, uh, I recalled the words to an old Christmas carol. It's one that I, I listened to a lot. I, I really liked it. It was unique. It was special. It wasn't sung a lot, but I liked it. It was this song called, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And, and I, as I was looking through the words of this song, I began to recognize that this song really echoes this same sentiment about Christmas and peace at the time when there's death and destruction and war and rioting. The songwriter, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, is actually one of America's greatest known poets, and he penned the words to this song, but to understand where he came from is really important because he was going through this time of immense personal turmoil. His career and his, his notoriety was unparalleled, but life had just been turned upside down for him. His wife had died of disease. He remarried, and not long after he remarried his second wife, her clothes caught on fire, and she literally burned to death, leaving him with five children. And it was during this time, during the Civil War in America, when it was in its fury, that his own 19-year-old son had been sent back home to recover from his battlefield wounds. And, and what happened at that point is Henry's prayers then turned to rage. You see, this man was an ardent believer in the power of God to move on earth. And so he pleaded with God to end the madness of war, suffering and pain in people's lives. And on Christmas Day 19, excuse me, 1863, in the heart of the Civil War, he heard the bells playing these songs of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And that's when that anguish rose up in his heart, and he wrote the words to this song. And really, this song is a personal plea from his heart for sanity in a world gone insane for hope that would somehow bring joy and comfort and peace that, that Jesus was actually born to offer and that would somehow be realized in this world. The first portion of the song is actually totally void of hope. You don't feel any hope at all. And it's really a testament, I guess you could say, to the treachery of Satan. And as one listens to the Christmas bells playing songs of peace on earth, you would feel that. But the last two of the seven stanzas of this song, they embrace these words and embrace this thought, and it's this. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth. Goodwill to men. 
And, and, and these words, they went on to actually inspire the union and entire, in the entire world at that time. But, but this song, the reason it did is because it has biting honesty. And I'm into that. This song literally became an anchor for millions and, and was, was an anchor to soldiers and families during World War I, World War II, the Korean War, and even the Vietnam Wars. And I hope that the truth in this song will touch your heart as well today. Let's listen to the song. fill this earth when Jesus comes and establishes his kingdom here. The wrong will fail and the right will prevail and there will be peace on earth in a perfect way. Thanks, guys. But until that day, his kingdom of peace dwells in the hearts of believers. Now, catch this. We literally carry this little kingdom around with us wherever we go. Even when there's war, even when you're dealing with your own frustrations, even when there's rioting, if Jesus is the Lord of your life, he's set up this rulership in your life, so the Prince of Peace is living in you, and he's given you peace in your life. But, but the truth is, at the same time, even the strongest believer from time to time allows the peace to leak out. I do. So it's really important for us to do what it takes to keep that peace in us. I want to talk to you about this, about how to maintain that peace and then how to actually use it in the world. But I want you to remember these words right here. This is so important. Peace is here, and it's yours for the taking. So what are you going to do to keep it in you? We need to begin trusting God. I don't care what's going on. You will have peace if you are really trusting God in your situation and not allowing the enemy to wreak havoc on the playground of your mind, that's where the enemy messes with you. 
See, Isaiah said this. He said, you will keep in perfect peace. I love those words, perfect peace. You will keep perfect peace in him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you, God. So, so, so the enemy is going to try to mess with our minds and get us to think thoughts and push us further and further along when we imagine these worst-case scenarios that everything is cascadingly difficult and, and the world is all against us. And this is all part of the enemy's plan to literally foil God's plans that he wants to do through you. It gets you to not only think about it, but you begin to talk about it, and you begin to even act on what you're thinking, and there's nothing. But that's nothing about peace, because what's happened is our hearts and our minds are no longer steadfast, and we're not trusting God, and the peace has escaped. So here's my encouragement. Trust God. Trust him. Just, just trust God. You're going to find peace. Peace is here. It's yours for the taking. So one of the other things we have to do is start living right. <laughs> and now, now there the Bible uses this term called righteousness. It's been a bit abused in our culture because it's, it's perceived as something that is arrogant, but it's not. Let me explain to you what righteousness is. Righteousness is literally defined this way, right living. And, and if you're living right, the truth is peace is yours. This prophet Isaiah, he also said this. He said, the fruit of righteousness is peace. In other words, when you're living right, what's going to happen is you're going to start finding more peace in your life. It says the effect of righteousness is quietness and confidence forever. That's pretty awesome. A righteous person who's living right, you're going to be able to ride over the waves of difficult times and pressured circumstances and unsure futures if you are keeping righteousness, right living at the forefront of your life because it's going to bring you quietness. It's going to bring you confidence. It's the simple. Just make the choice to start living right. And what's going to happen is God's kingdom of peace is going to begin to expand in you. So God's peace is here, and simply yours for the taking. So one of the other things we have to do is to stop our wickedness. I'm just telling you guys, don't engage in wickedness, because when you engage in what the Bible calls wicked behavior, what's going to happen is you're always going to be worried and concerned about other people finding out, and you're always concerned about how it's going to impact or affect your life, and the truth is a wicked person can't have peace. Prophet Isaiah said this as well. He quoted God saying, there is no peace for the wicked. See, because wickedness, wicked living, and peace are at two different ends of the spectrum. My question to you is, what are you doing that's wicked? What are you doing? Then stop doing it. There's, a, there's another term that we use from the Bible. It's called repent. That means just to stop what you're doing and turn and go the other direction. Just leave it and turn the other direction because it's stealing the peace that God has for you. And peace is here. It's yours for the taking. And one of the other things we need to do, especially in our society, is redefine prosperity. I'm just saying, guys, don't, don't put your focus on money. Don't be obsessed with money. I, I've seen far too many people who love God completely lose their peace when the stock market is down, when profits slip and sales are not what they should be, or when the economy sputters. 
Or right now in Texas, I'm actually beginning to see some people lose their peace because oil is down. Putin lost his peace. He's, he's, he's canceled the holidays. He says there's not going to be any Christmas or New Year's holidays. Everybody's going to keep working because we, 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 we need more money. <laughs> but see, it also works the opposite as well. When money is pouring in, then you become stressed about it. Like, where am I going to put it? How am I going to invest it? And you're stressed about actually protecting your assets. In fact, the wealthiest man who ever lived addressed this. And I think it would be good to listen to what he said. Ancient Israel's King Solomon, he wrote these words. He said, I have been deprived of peace and I have forgotten what prosperity is. I mean, this is written by the guy who had more gold than he knew what to do with. And in the middle of this, he had forgotten what real prosperity was because the truth is it's not about having money. He got his eyes fixed on money, and he lost his peace. He missed out on that true prosperity, which is simply this. It's peace of mind and peace of heart. The things that cause you to be rich even when you're alone. You're at peace. So peace is here. It's yours for the taking. So one of those things we also need to do is to unload our anxiety on God. When you start getting all stressed out about stuff and allowing anxiety to control your emotions, like, oh, no, I spent too much money at Christmas, and, and I don't know what I'm going to do or how, what's going to happen when January 1 rolls around. When we allow anxiety to control our emotions, the peace escapes. And I want to be honest with you. I also have had many periods, or I would even say seasons of anxiety in my life, not moments of anxiety, but even seasons of it. And, and, and I find that coming. And I'm telling you guys, when you feel the anxiety coming, here's what we have to do. We just simply have to pray continuously, and that, that anxiety begins to drain away, and it's replaced by perfect peace. Why? It's because when we pray, we're actually taking that stuff, and we're unloading it back on God. Because he's the one who can deal with it much better than we can. In fact, Paul addressed it this way. He said, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with a spirit of thanksgiving. That means being grateful. Just finding something to be grateful about. I'm going to be grateful about something. Then present your request to God. And then the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And this, this is interesting because this is one of those cause and effect scriptures. It's, 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 it's not just like all these good things are going to happen to you. No, it says that, that if, or really better, when you feel anxiety coming on, you begin to pray and petition God and, and, and make sure that your prayers are full of a lot of gratitude no matter what's happening. And the effect in your life is going to be God's cascading peace that's going to be so incredible that you really can't even understand it. I remember in high school, one of my teachers that I'd had for three years back to back to back had come to know Christ my senior year. And the change in her was incredible, unbelievable. And, and, and I remember saying this, I, I wanted to ask her because I was raised in a Christian home and I'd been around this all my life. I'd, I had never experienced that transformation except as a three-year-old, you know, a sinful three-year-old who stole cookies and repenting of his sins and, and, and getting his life right with God and getting baptized at six and all. I mean, 
this lady, I saw this transformation, and, and I asked her as, as just an innocent yet hungry to understand 16-year-old young man, I said, I said, can you explain to me the biggest difference? And she said, yeah, you knew me before. You know what a stressed out person I was? And she says, the truth is, a lot of things haven't really even changed in my life except one thing has, and that's Jesus. And she says, now I have something that's called peace. And she said, the Bible says it's peace that's gone beyond our understanding. She says, I can't even figure it out, but I'm a person of peace, and I love it. And, and what Paul says is that peace, it's going to guard your heart and your mind. So if you practice the things that I've shared with you today with Jesus in your life, you're going to keep this kingdom of peace alive and you're going to keep it expanding in your heart. I think what's really cool about this is, is not only having Christ in our life and not only doing the things that cause peace to grow in our lives, but, but the more people who are serving Jesus, the more people who are doing these things, the truth is the more peace we will know around us. You see, because when people of peace come together and we assemble, when we work together, when we serve together, when we love one another, we put up with one another and truly get to know one another, peace is magnified. So what about peace on earth? Will it ever happen? Well, it is possible to see peace in this world before Jesus returns. It is possible to see it in pockets and in segments before he sets up his literal physical kingdom of peace during the millennium. But the truth is, only hear this, only where God's people are literally making Jesus known and all they do is where you will feel and see peace. That's why there's so much more to this whole thing of serving God than just coming to church on Sundays. It's not just some little personal thing. Now, another thing that I do know is that in the middle of all of this cyber terrorism and wars and beheadings and riots and violence down to the stuff that you're dealing with regularly, your tough home situations, your unresolved pain and your struggles of life that just make you want to scream sometimes, is that God is giving you peace and can give you peace and will give you peace. And all you have to do is receive it. Peace is here and it's yours for the taking. Paul spoke these words over one of his churches that he started. And I want to speak these words over you as well. Here it is. May the Lord himself give you peace at all times and in every way. You see that? All times, in every way. Peace straight from Jesus. I mean, is that clear enough? but it's only available to those who will allow Jesus to establish his throne in your own life. Then you can live in peace, and then you can grow in peace, and then you can be an agent of peace in this hate-filled world. I'm going to pray a prayer, and then we're going to read something together, kind of a declaration of peace. But if Jesus Christ is not in your life, and there's sin in your life, then you can do all these things and you can get temporary reprieves from the stress of the world, but the truth is you need to have that kingdom of peace established in you. I want to encourage you to do that. Will you just lock yourself in with God? If there's 
anything in your life that's not right with Jesus, if you're not serving God, if you've never put him on the throne of your life or he was once on the throne and you've removed him and you've dethroned him and you know you need to get him back to the throne of your life, would you be willing to just simply acknowledge that and then pray this prayer with me? If you need Jesus, would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I, I need Jesus. And, and, and when you lift your hand, that lets me know that I can connect my faith with you. Would you do that? Just lift your hand so that I can see it. Like, Pastor, I need Jesus today. I need to make things right with Jesus. Thanks. Who else? Thanks. 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 Who else? I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Thanks. Y'all can put your hands down. Four different people raised their hands. All right. We're going to pray. I want I, My faith is locked with yours, but I want us to all have faith together, and I want to pray this together. Will you pray these words with me, everybody in this room? Jesus, I come to you now as a broken person, and I ask you to cleanse me with your precious blood. Wash away my sin. Create me all over again. Establish your kingdom in my life. Let your kingdom of peace be in me and let it grow and expand and flourish. In Jesus' name, amen. That's the most important thing. Secondly is to live it out the way I instructed you. And finally, what we do is we take it into the world. Peace on earth comes through you. There will be a day of perfect peace. That's not yet. But right now, you can create it. There's this very famous poem, and it's called Make Me an Instrument of Peace, and I like it a lot, actually. We don't know really who the author is, but I want us to look at this. It's on the screens. I want you to read it aloud with me. Ah, it's a little tiny words there. If you can see it, great. <laughs> but, but I want you to, to read this with me. Come on, say these words with me. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, harmony. Where there is error, truth. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope, where there is darkness, light, and where there is sadness, joy. O oh, divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. God, let us be not only carriers of the kingdom of peace, but let us be people who live this out by bringing peace wherever we go, simply by doing the things that are on this simple little poem. Doing it, living it making it real in our lives. In Jesus' name. Before Jordan closes us today, I uh, I just want you guys to, I want to leave that little slide up there. Some of you may need to go take a little picture of it and, 
remember it, keep it in front of you. Because now that's something that we do with the peace that's in us. Because the peace is not just for us to kind of enjoy and hang out with and have fun with. It's something for us to use in the world. And the next time you hear someone singing a song about peace on earth and can't we all just get along, let's have peace. And it's like, yeah, you know, I'm all for it. But you understand that it really comes through Jesus and through the kingdom of peace. and, And we are the agents of that because anyone else who tries to create peace, it will ultimately fail. And that's one of the challenges that the world has faced over and over again. But there's a simplicity of the message. It's Jesus in us. And we live it out. And it actually grows and enlarges wherever we go. You like that? I encourage you to take that and live it and think this through. Let it get deep in your heart. Bless you.